God bless you. Thank you for watching Channel 11, KCHF TV. We are so blessed to be here with you this morning and to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He is still um, in charge of the airwaves. The Bible says that the devil is the prince and the power of the air, but Jesus is the ruler. He's the kingdom of the church. And the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And the rock is Jesus Christ, who is the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah. We're so grateful for his salvation. We're so grateful for this TV ministry that God has allowed us to be a part of for years now. And we want to remind you that God's promises are yes and amen. Be assured that the Lord God is going to come through for you. He's going to come through for you in your finances. He's going to come through for you in the salvation of your household. According to Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that Peter looked at the jailer and he said, this promise is to you and your whole household. And so if you have a loved one that you're believing for salvation for, I want to remind you to become a hostage of the promises of the Lord God. The last time we were on the air uh, and some of the messages, you could request them. You can go online to my website and listen to them. We talked about being a hope hostage, and I just want to go over that definition of a hostage from the Noah Webster's Dictionary. It's the 1826 dictionary that I carry, uh, that, I, that I have right there on my study shelf, on my desk. A hostage is a person given or held as security for the fulfillment of certain conditions or terms or promises made by another. In other words, these are pledges or promises. We have 66 books by 40 authors, thousands of verses with the promises of salvation, the promises of faith, the promises of deliverance, the promises that God uh, promises to break bondages, the promises of a new life, the promises of heaven, the promises of the rapture of the church, that Jesus Christ is coming for a church. You know, we have so many promises, and all you got to do is cling to the one that God has for you and become a hostage to that promise. Notice, a hostage is someone given or held until certain fulfillment or certain conditions or terms, promises made by another are delivered. In other words, you got to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to hold on to this promise of salvation for my family, and I'm going to believe that you're going to come through for me, and you're going to helicopter us. I, Lord, I made a request. You made me a promise. You promised me a seed. You promised me a, a daughter. You promised me salvation when I got saved. And I'm going to be held hostage to hope for my children. I'm going to be held hostage to salvation. I'm going to be held hostage to believing that you will heal me. Maybe perhaps you're on a sick bed of illness. And you're thinking, Lord, when will you heal me? Lord, when will you deliver me? But nonetheless, I'm hostage to believing in faith and believing in healing, that healing will come. And so if you're bedridden, if you're in a prison, if you're in a hospital room, maybe you're at your office, wherever you're watching this, and you're facing hopelessness through legal battles, financial troubles, marriage troubles, ministry troubles, whatever it could be, I want you to say, Lord God, you've made me a promise, and I'm going to be held hostage to this. And so my message today, I'm going to talk about excel. Excel in what? The Bible teaches us to excel in certain areas of our life.
And those of you that are watching and support this program, I want you to take notes and realize that Jesus Christ has made us a promise. And I want you to become a hostage to these promises and to these principles that I'm about to share with you today. And one of the things that investors or people that finance our ministry, I speak with business owners all the time, with pastors and retired missionaries and evangelists and men and women that have gone into prisons and jails and uh, have done ministry. And they found creative ways to finance their projects. They said, Daniel, what's the return on this investment? What's the return on this partnership with you? And the only return that I could tell you, guaranteed, is salvation of souls. That souls will be saved. You know, right now we're reaching an unchurched group, which is the prisons in the state of New Mexico. My wife and I have been traveling to over six prisons in the state of New Mexico since after some of the COVID restrictions have settled down a bit. We go into these prisons, and I wish that we could take in the cameras, and we're praying that the Lord God is opening those doors soon and that you'll be able to see inmates worshiping the Lord, giving and surrendering their lives. Some of these men and women will never be out of prison for 15 or 20 or 30 years. Mothers, fathers, you know, uh, and, and we're ministering to them. And that's the return on your investment, is that they're being discipled. You know, we have over 100 students in our academy uh, through uh, Second Man School of the Bible that are doing the lessons. You know, we send out these certificates to them, and, and, and they're, they're learning the principles of, of faith and salvation and embracing them. So that's the return, is the salvation of your souls. You know, God plants a seed in your heart, and that seed will reap a reward if you faint not. When you plant into this ministry, to this TV station, there's a reward for your giving. And I want to talk about those today. I want to talk about Excel. So if you go to Ephesians chapter 5, God willing that on this telecast we have enough time to get through this. If not, we'll just do a series 2 and a series 3 until we remind you that God has promised blessing for those who give of their finances to this ministry. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says in verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, or the word there is wise, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Notice what he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. In other words, every day, you have a transaction on time. Every dollar spent at the register, if you spend that dollar at the register and, and, and you take that product and you waste it or you use it, it's up to you. You're a steward of, of whatever you buy. And we know now that our dollar is not going very far. You know, so, so you know, I, I was telling my kids the other day, instead of pouring yourself a 12-ounce glass of milk and putting three ounces of it down the sink, because you just dipped a few, you know, Oreos in the, in, the, in the milk. I said, pour yourself less, get a smaller cup. And that, that's what it's talking about, is redeeming the time because the days are evil. And there's no time for wasted time. There's no time for wasted giving. And I tell you, everything and every seed that you invest in this ministry is not a waste. 
It's not a waste. Souls are being saved. The gospel is being preached. So he tells us, make the most out of your time because the days are evil. You know, there's assassin um, time robbers, you know, killing time. Uh, you know, when I came into the studio this morning, they said we need a bit, little bit of time to, to, to fix some things on the airwaves. And I, th I said, okay, uh, we're, 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 we're not killing time, but we had an enemy rob us of a few minutes, but now we're on the air. You know, every time we should think of, Lord, what, what is killing my time? And maybe the enemy's killing your time. Uh, you know, I love people and I love speaking with people and I meet people all the time. But there's just sometimes where you have to tell people, I got to go spend time or I got to do this or I got to go here, you know, because we don't have time to kill. You know, every precious moment on the air is valuable. You know, when, when this TV station goes off the air, that's a minute or two minutes that someone's not hearing the gospel. That's two minutes. That's three minutes that someone is not being encouraged. So that's why we have engineers and we have the men and women behind the behind the cameras and they go to work and replacing light bulbs and touching up the cameras and touching up the corners because time is a valuable resource. So make the most of your time because the days are evil. Identify the assassin or time robbers in your life. What's robbing your time? What's robbing your time? Spending time on social media, you know, hanging out at Starbucks. You know, I'm not a... a, 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 a I guess a humbug on spending time at, at the, your local favorite coffee shop or your lo local cave corner cafe. I'm not opposed to that. It's just, do we really need to meet three days a week? You know, um, when we can meet one day a week, you know, today after the studio time, I have um, an appointment with my kids at the state fair, and then I have an appointment with the dear brother in the Lord who's supported our ministry since day one, and, and, that's, that's where my time is going today. And then the rest of the afternoon, I'll be studying for a prison ministry later on this week. Okay? So what are some of the benefits of maximizing our time? The Bible teaches us to excel. How are we going to learn to excel? Real quickly, I'm going to give you three points, possibly four if we have time, on what are some of the benefits of us giving to ministry or giving ourselves given of our time, talent, and treasure to ministry, to service, to sacrifice, to uh, volunteerism. What are some of the benefits? And I'm not just speaking monetarily benefits, okay? I'm talking about eternal benefits, okay? Giving draws us closer to God. So the Bible teaches us to excel in our giving. Why? Because our giving draws us closer to God. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, someone said, show me your pocketbook or your checkbook, maybe your credit card statement or your giving app, your cash app or your Apple Pay on your phone. Show me those things and I'll show you where your heart is at. You know, is it in um, retail therapy, right? Is it in retail therapy? Is it at the coffee shop? That's where your heart is at. That's where your heart is at. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, my heart is in prison ministry, reaching out to those that no one else will go to, those that Paul said, remember the prisoner. 
as if you yourself were in chains. And I remember the, the convict on the cross that stole heaven. He told Jesus, today, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. The first salvation was a young man who had been arrested for capital, uh, for, for being, for being a, a, a rebel, for trying to overthrow the government. He got saved by Jesus in one day. So giving draws us closer to God. Giving is the remedy to materialism. You know, um, now materialism and having nice things is not a sin. But God wants us to not be so materialistic that we have nothing to give to the kingdom of God. You know, that we have nothing to give to the kingdom of God. You know, um, recently we had a Shoes for Shorty shoe drive, and I was blessed by all the amount of young people that gave money, bought shoes. Uh, those of you guys that have supported our missions in Mexico. You know, we've had our kids say, I'm going to do without that extra pair of shoes at the beginning of the school year, and I'm going to buy a pair of shoes for Shoes for Shorties to send to Mexico. And instead of buying one pair of expensive shoes, I'm going to buy two pair and split my my money to, to make a difference in the life of a kid in Mexico. And so we're doing that. And just this fall, we're going back to Mexico. So please pray for that. And we'll have some pictures. But 1 Timothy chapter 6 reminds us to remind and command those that are poor, or those that are rich, rather, to be generous. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, he says, it says, command those who are rich. Notice it doesn't suggest to those that are rich that they should give. It says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or proud for or arrogant, nor to trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, let them do good. In other words, let them give. Let them be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Now, a lot of us can be rich in materialisms. I could be rich in the cars I drive and the homes that I live in or the places I go to. But am I rich in good works? Do I prioritize the kingdom of heaven? Do I prioritize giving to God? You know, giving is the, is, is the remedy to materialism. And he says to command those that are rich to be rich in good works. You know, you do an estimation of your finances. The Bible says that we ought to give 10%. You do an estimation. You know, did I give the Lord 10% of my increase? Right? Did I give him the first 10%? You know, because sometimes we may give him, you know, the 10%, but it's not the first 10%. Now that's tithing, but that's another subject. But we're talking about giving, right? Giving to this ministry is above your tithe. We should be giving to our local churches, but to a ministry that is reaching the lost, that is encouraging people 24-7 on the air, is your extra giving. It's where it counts. Giving strengthens your faith. Giving, having a generous heart, strengthens your faith. According to Proverbs chapter 3, verse Five, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your, on your own understanding, right? No, I need this money or I need this money or I need this finances or I need this job or I need to have this cash flow or I need to have this X amount of money in the bank account. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. Watch what verse, side, verse 9 says of Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, right? 
Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. I love the New Living Translation says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits or with the best part. That was the original series of this, the best. Offer the Lord the best part of your field. Offer the Lord the best part of your time. The best part of, of your giving ought to go to the Lord. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the best part, you know, with the best part of your first fruits. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's a promise is that if you give the Lord the best part of your life, the best part of your time, the best part of your finances, you will have no lack. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. I'm reminded of the young widow, of the, uh, of the elder widow that came, the prophet visited, and he said, why don't you make me a cake? The Bible says that she was gathering a few sticks and she had only a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil left. And the prophet said to her, why don't you make me a cake first and then go about your business? She says, I only have a little bit left and then me and my son, we're going to eat this and we're going to die. And the Bible says that she was obedient to the prophet. And the Bible says that from that day on, her bucket never went empty and her oil never went empty as well. You know, my grandmother grew up in the Great Depression. And I always wondered why every time my grandma would go to the grocery store, she would always buy another pound of sugar or another pound of flour and a pound of beans, and she'd put it in the bucket. And I said, she always buys what very little. Why does she always buy very little, you know? But it wasn't very little. It was adding to her supply. And she had five-gallon buckets in her closet, and she would fill it up and she would fill it up and she would fill it up so it was never low so whenever the neighbors would want to borrow some milk eggs or flour or beans she would send them with a little cup she would send them with what they needed and the promise is that if you honor the lord with the first of your possessions your vats will overflow with new wine and your barns will be filled with plenty plenty isn't it a blessing when we're able to bless others. You know, maybe we're not living in plenty because we have not honored the Lord with our wealth. But if you make a decision to say, say, you know what, I'm going to bless that ministry. I'm going to bless that man of God. I'm going to bless that child. You know, sometimes maybe my even person asking for lunch on the, on the street. As I was on my way to the studio this morning, um, a man approached me and he said, hey, sir, I'm on my way. Uh, and I would like to get myself a cup of coffee, you know, and I didn't have no time to judge him or say, you don't, really, you don't want a cup of coffee. I walked into the store, grabbed me a bottle of water, and I bought a cup of coffee, and on my way out, I handed him a cup of coffee. I don't know if I'll ever see Eric again, that was his name, but if I do ever see him again or I don't ever see him again, at least he'll know that I took that time to just give him a cup of coffee. A lot of times we look at those opportunities as wasted time when I can use that opportunity to redeem that time and remind him of Jesus' love. Remind him of Jesus' love. So giving strengthens our faith. When you give him, give to him knowing that you will receive back. Now don't give the gift to receive back. 
But when you give it and forget about it, God always will remember you. And this is one of the most powerful truths in giving that I want to share with you in closing. Giving is an investment in eternity. Notice, what's the return for our investment? What's the return for our time spent on the air? What's the return spent traveling hundreds of miles to the prisons in the state of New Mexico? What's the return on our investment? The salvation of souls. It's the salvation of souls. And I'm going to prove it to you here in black and white that we have, um, the Bible says that we have promises of a better enduring. Watch this. In Hebrews chapter 4, I love and I always refer to Hebrews, uh, the author of Hebrews as the Apostle Paul because if, if, if you study the book of Hebrews, no one else knew um, Hebraic law and, and the law and the Sabbath like Paul did. But Hebrews chapter 4, or actually chapter 10, it says this. Hebrews 10, partly while you were made expectable, spectacle both of by reproaches and tribulations, notice that, and partly while you became compassions or companions of those who were so treated. Verse 34, for you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accept, accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing, notice this, that you have a better an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Paul says, you know, um, they plundered your goods. They took your things. They took your stuff. Right? We didn't trust in uncertain riches. We, we gave to the Lord. Now, this isn't telling us to be reckless and foolish and give everything away, but the first century church was robbed and they were beaten and things were taken from them. And they partnered with the apostle Paul, after his conversion, imagine that. Paul got so converted, the church that was trying to avoid him. When Cornelius heard about Paul's salvation, he told the Lord, Lord, I've heard about him and how he has tried to destroy the church and, and persecute the church. Lord, I, I want nothing to do with him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the early disciples didn't want nothing to do with Paul either. Saul of Tarsus, they said, we've heard, we've heard about him. He's bad news. But eventually they accepted him. And notice when they accepted him, the Bible says that they had compassion on him in his chains and in his tribulations and joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods, knowing that they had a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. That's the return on your investment, is that you have greater possessions in heaven. Greater possessions in heaven. Therefore, verse 35, he says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which, is of, which has great reward. Notice that. Notice, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away the encouragement, which has great reward. For after you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What's the will of God? That you surrender your life, that you give of your talent, time, and resources, you know, and the reason why God says 10%, and I'm going to wrap it up with this, is because some have more than others. And we're not here to try to take from the haves or take from the have-nots. See, God knew this would happen. 
So he says, everybody has. So I'm going to make it equal across the board, 10%. Now God could have said those that have more, give 20%. But he didn't. He said those that have and those that have not, I'm going to make it equal giving. So it's equal giving. It's not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. And that's what the Lord loves, is that it's equal sacrifices. Everybody makes a sacrifice. So that's why the tithe is important. Um, how many of you guys have a promise of the Lord? You're saying, Lord, make, make, make your promises. Lord, come, come through on your promises for me. You know, there was a, a, a man of the Bible, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. His name was Abram. And the Bible says that God made him this wonderful promises of descendants and as the sands of the sea and as the stars of the sky. And God told him, look up, so shall your descendants be. And, and Abraham said, Lord, how can this be since I don't have a son? And the Bible says that God told him, come over here. In Genesis 15, 8, and the Lord God said, how shall I know that I will inherit it? God asked him, Abraham asked God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And then God said, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Real quickly, there was three sacrifices that Abram was required to give. A heifer, a young goat, and a turtle dove. That covered all the classes. When Jesus was dedicated in the temple, the Bible says that his parents brought what they had. They brought two turtle doves. That's all they could afford. That's all they could give to the Lord. So the Lord is not asking you for equal giving. He's not asking you to give what your brother gives or your sister gives or give what that ministry gives. He's asking give what you have. Give of the best to the Lord this morning. How shall I know that I will inherit it? God said, career, bring me a sacrifice. Offer me something. Offer me something. How shall I know that I shall receive your promises? The Lord says, offer me something. Offer me your life. Offer me your sacrifice. Offer me that which is difficult for you to give to me. So today, if the Lord God has spoken to you, I want to challenge you. If the Lord has made you a promise, ask him the question, how shall I inherit it? You might be going childless, but you have something to give. If the Lord spoke to you today, write to us, call us, go online and give to our ministry. We want to bless you and thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now may the Lord bless you, keep you, shine his face upon you, be gracious unto you, and give you his peace. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.